Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, the late great Frank Sinatra once said, and now the end is near, and so I face the final curtain. For today, ladies and gentlemen, is the final episode for Technomancer on You, Me, and Lore. And I'm one of your diligent hosts, Kenny Gomez, aka Ken Dog. It's time to contact Earth. When we left off in the story, Zack and his team were politely kicked out of Noctis and were now provided a home in the Mutant Valley. And given all the twists and turns that we've been on this story, it's a little bit appropriate that the the crew, but most importantly the Technomancers, find themselves living among the mutants for they are mutants. But before we could talk about uh, Zachariah's adventures in the Mutant Valley, I do want to talk about it for a moment. The Mutant Valley, unlike the the dome of abundance or the secluded caverns of Noctis, is completely different. The Mutant Valley doesn't necessarily shy away from the sun but they embrace it the the area is more open versus the other two cities that we've been living in and and working out of the mutant valley is the embodiment of freedom on mars in this in its current state it's beautiful it's people opening stores their homes are kind of carved into the mountains. They're not actually afraid of the Martian sun. They embrace it. They understand when it's too hot. They understand when it's hot enough to radiate and, and mutate people. But yet they they embrace it. They, they revel in it. It's bright. It's vibrant. It's alive. There's people up and down the markets. There's kids playing. They can find their leaders in the center of town. They have running water. They have running utilities. They're slowly becoming a, a nation and it fills up day by day with more liberated mutants. Another thing that stands out about the mutants is their philosophy. They don't believe in living in the past like the humans and the technomancers do. They understand that when they came to Mars and they evolved, they became something different and they've realize that instead of looking to the past they need to move forward they need to embrace who they are and they they know they need to make the best of what's available on mars and how to turn it into something prosperous which is definitely something aspiring given the fact that they've been tortured beat used for slavery the entirety of their lives one of the biggest things you can get out of the culture of the mutant valley is Typically, when the mutants arrive, they normally arrive and they use their traditional slave name or dust names. And also dust is another another name for the mutants and Mars. But at some point, once the mutants get accustomed to freedom and they grow more into their own person, they actually decide to change their name they decide to to become someone and when that happens in the mutant valley 
regardless of who it is, uh, Scum, Phobos, the leader, they actually all celebrate it because it's such a monumental moment in a mutant's life to finally break off the chains of of enslavement and become your own person. But the city is at a very pivotal moment. They're currently laying down the foundation of what their nation will become. And the divide is whether to embrace humanity and work with them or to outright shun them and become the main the main peoples of Mars to say the least and that's sort of where our story picks up that's where we want to pick up with Zachariah and his band of hooligans outside the city gates of the mutant valley been a long arduous journey so many twists and turns so many revelations and you can tell at this point Zach and his team is a little deflated Scott's been missing for a little while Patience, the Aurorian Technomancer, they broke out of the out of the camp, has been kidnapped and he's missing, along with the device, the relic that we need to figure out where the beacon from Earth is. And most importantly, we have nowhere else to go. So it's it seems Zachariah and his team is always playing defense. There's no time to worry about that. There's no time to think about those things. Because as soon as they reach the gates of Noctis, and Phobos is trying to be encouraging and reassuring the team that they're more than welcome, they'll find safety. They can't just enter the city quite just yet. You see, this being the first mutant city, they're a little bit of distrusting of humans, especially with the treatment they've received. And no matter how sparkling of a resume Phobos can give them, we still need to go out and prove our worth. And we can prove our worth by rescuing mutants who get lost in the shadow paths trying to reach the mutant valley. So with that, we decide to set off back into the shadow paths and find more than what we bargained for. So when you arrive to the Shadow Path, you can see a group of maybe five, six mutants all huddled in front of a cave, thinking it's the path or maybe a shortcut to the mutant valley. But instead, what they find is a mutated shield frog. Now, these these monsters are big and they kind of have like their face looks like the the monster from Pitch Black. But as soon as we see the shield frog, we know we have to intervene. It's a bit of a tough fight. The the frog can actually shoot out tendrils or like tongue-like tendrils that'll drag you to it. It's continuously throwing poison and it has this move where it jumps up in the air and when it comes down, it sends a shockwave that can knock you and your team around. But needless to say, with the right teammates, a little bit of lightning, a thunder fist here, and a mighty smash from your kendo stick or mace or knife or gun well zach and his team proceed to put the shield frog down permanently then after that the uh mutants look a little bit shook up but then you will escort them to the proper route to arrive to the mutant valley on your way through the the twist and turns of this particular shadow path 
you notice a, a facility, a gated facility, and you can see that you can jump the fence. Something you make note of to visit later. You arrive to the path that the mutants need to take. It's nearby your rover. And instead of giving the mutants a ride, you just point them in the right direction and allow them to proceed walking across the Martian terrain, the sun, the heat, the rain, whatever you want to call it. Instead of giving them a free ride, at the end of the day, if you ain't got five on it, you ain't going nowhere. Now, now that we've uh, secured entrance to the Mutant Valley, it's time we took a moment and explored that facility. Now, you proceed to head back. You pass the uh, the carcasses of uh, old dead Martian animals. Hell, you find some Martian animals you fought on your way of escorting the mutants. After you jump the fence, you hook a right into the facility and you head toward this open area. And it just so happens the missing Scott is there. You see, for a moment, you can see Scott is actually talking to our favorite technomancer, old bitch ass himself, Alan. And he's trying to plead with Alan. He's trying to talk about his status and and what he can do for him, which is a little bit odd. But needless to say, Alan isn't having it. The only thing that Alan wants is your location. Well, Scott is not going to give up that. So, Alan bids Scott farewell, and he proceeds to tell his soldiers to beat the information out of him. And at that point, that's when Zachariah and his team intervenes. Alan is gone, but we'll catch up to him soon. Uh, we proceed to fight the goons. It's a couple gunners, a couple elite soldiers, maybe a brood or two. But you already know the way of the Technomancer. A good shot from Nisha. A strong swing of his mighty mace from Phobos. And then you dropping an electric storm to stun and disrupt anybody in your path. Needless to say, you cleared the you cleared the soldiers out with no problems and ease. Scott is definitely shaken up. You can see Scott has probably been beaten and tortured for a little while. He's more than happy to see you guys. He's actually pleasantly surprised you came to rescue him. But there's not too much talking. Scott needs to relax. He needs to recover. So we pick him up and we proceed out of the shadow path and proceed right on back to the mutant valley to finally enter our new home. Well, like anything in this lovely life that Zachariah lives, peace is something that is not found in his life. It's not even five minutes we get back to the mutant valley that the leader himself scum arrives to greet us at the gates no he does not greet us with open arms gifts and presents no he greets us with a problem that needs some technomancing if you remember a few episodes back we were talking about a particular mutant by the name of kane kane wants to get rid of the humans and have the mutants claim mars as their own as they are the superior race on mars so you could definitely see a little bit of the X-Men. You see the viewpoints of uh, Magneto versus Professor Xavier. Now, Scum lets you know that Kane and his, his team have taken over the city and the power grab is here. 
Like I told you in the beginning of the story, the city is divided on whether or not to work with the humans or to get rid of them entirely. We do what we do best. We proceed to the center of town to handle our business. However, he actually locked the gates to the center of town. So you actually need to fight your way around the mutant valley and um, enter it from a different, well, from a secret entrance. The brutes are all different shapes and sizes. Some are skinny and lanky and agile. Some are massive brooding hulks ready to knock you down with one punch. Well, as you as you fought your way to the center of town, you can see Cain corralling and, and urging the people to join his cause and, and to take back what's theirs. Now, the minute he sees Phobos, it's go time. It is 100% Black Air Force energy. There's not a lot of talking, not too many cutscenes. We proceed into some action. And Kane is rolling deep. He is rolling deep with brutes. There's no lanky, skinny mutant boys with him. It's a hard fight. Tons of thunder fists to help weaken them as you try hitting them with your knife, your maces, your sticks. Certain party members you might see fall to the ground, your your Nishas, your Scots, your Amelias of the world, but your Andrews, your Phobos, they fight hard and they fight fast. Eventually the brutes start dropping like flies and then Kane changes his attention from Phobos to you since he sees you as a secret weapon that's putting down his soldiers and the fight gets fierce. You see your Zechariah go into Berserker Rage and lay down a hail of hate with his electric sticks to put Kane down. And then finally, when the beast drops to a knee, it's at this point you are at a pivotal moment. We need to decide the fate of Kane to finally decide the fate of the Mutant Valley. Now, Scum, the one of the forefathers of the Mutant Valley, just like Phobos, elects to keep Kane alive that we need to be better. We need to show, we need to be able to show remorse. We need to be able to show that killing is not the right way. However, Phobos, your party member, is saying you need to put Kane down because no matter what, he's never going to stop. He is an unrelenting force and nothing will stop him from murdering every last trace of humanity on Mars. But our Zachariah is different. Our Zachariah chooses to honor the teachings of his master, Sean, and he does not kill Cain. They drop him in the darkest pit they can find, but that's the thing about people like Cain. They don't go away for too long. And after that decision is made, an even more important decision is made. The Mutant Valley needs a leader. It needs someone that'll lead them into the future. The people of the valley have two choices. Scum, the liberator of Camp 19, or Phobos, the 007, the Michael Bourne of the mutants. Scum wants to lead in peace and building connections and building relationships. Phobos understands Diplomacy is necessary to move things forward. 
However, he is not afraid to wave that big effing stick that he's holding. The decision I made, or the decision Sakurai made, was to allow Scum to lead the Mutant Valley. For two reasons. To lead in a way that'll build bridges, build relationships, and to build in peace. As well as I am not losing Phobos as a companion because Zachariah needs all the muscle he can get and Phobos is way too valuable. Well, now that all of that is settled, it's time to finally relax, get our bearings in, and learn and embrace the city. So you take your time, you get some rest in, you get to know the locals, you get to learn the different markets, you see that the Technomancers have find, kind of found their home in the Mutant Valley. Hell, Andrew, aka Lucky, the one-armed Technomancer, jokes about how much he misses modern amenities like having a door where the bathroom is. Like any developing nation, there's going to be some pros and cons, but they're building something beautiful, beautiful in the valley. Well, after some rest... Phobos proposes something to Zachariah. You know, we've always, we've always, always been on the defensive. Don't you think it's time we went on the offensive? And at that point, Zachariah realizes that we need, we need to finally Victor out of power we've we've taken so many losses we've lost so much at this point because of him it's time we return the favor now before we do that we first need to call on the relationships that we've built to kind of organize a little bit of an army to help with this takedown now first things first is the mutants this relationship is built by a couple things. During your stay in the Mutant Valley, you hear from the locals that they need weapons to defend themselves. So, Zachariah and his team do what they do best. They take a nice little ride over to the City of Abundance, break into the ASC's Abundance Barracks, proceed to beat every soldier who was happily enjoying some downtime, and then steal their weapons. From there, Zachariah provides the weapons to the mutants building bonds as well as protection against any type of attack. The next relationship is actually fixing the city's water pump. Now, depending on your iteration of Zachariah or, or Zachariah in your minds, he gets a little help from Amelia from restoring the water pump. The only issue is the pieces exist in either the city of Noctis or the city of Abundance. Now, given the hell that Victor has put us through and the quick turnaround the city did to us, I believed it was in Zach's best interest to steal the water pump from the beautiful city of abundance. Don't worry, they'll be fine, they can fix it. And we brought it back to the mutants to help provide fresh and clean water as well as continue building our relationship. From there, our small amount of time in the valley we got to know Scum and he asked us of some favors. Um, Scum actually asked us to see if we can find relics 
He wants to see if the mutants have a past or something they can use to understand their past to hopefully build their future. The relics in question, they're found in the merchant city of Noctis as well as the old Technomancer temple. Was there fighting involved to get these relics? Absolutely. But it's the little things that go a long way to help build the future of Mars. Well, as you're building all these relationships, it's something particularly that's nagging at Zack, something that needs answers. And it just so happens to be, what the hell was Scott talking to Alan about when you guys first showed up to the Mutant Valley? So based on all the relationships and whatnot you've built, you proceed to ask around the city about if there were any mutants that were happening nearby, happened to be nearby when Scott was in the area with Alan and his soldiers. Well, after speaking to Scum and after speaking to a few mutants in the city, you learn that Scott was kidnapped around the same time that Patience was kidnapped. And Scott was trying to provide some type of service or trying to provide his history as to why Alan just needed to listen to him and work with Zachariah. However, the mutant made sure to emphasize that he never gave up Zachariah. He never gave up his information. He never gave up his location. Now, that eases Zach's mind for a little bit, but it doesn't explain why Scott was trying to work with Alan in the ASC. Well, needless to say, after talking to enough mutants, you decide it's finally time to have a conversation with Scott and to clear up the air on this. And it's a little bit of a side quest we're going on, but it's all going to relate in the grand scheme of things. For you see, when Scott comes to the room, you, you can you can try to ask him questions to build him up or you can persuade him to finally tell you what he was trying to get across to Alan. Well, after some charisma that uh, Zach has, a little wink here, a shoulder tap there, Scott finally fesses up. He didn't want to fight Alan. He didn't want to sell Sakurai. He was trying to make the best of a bad situation. He was trying to explain to Alan that, hey, I'm a very important person in abundance and I can get things done. He was trying to explain to Alan that the city needs him. And if they all work together, they can have a brighter future. But he also reveals something to Zachariah. If you guys remember in the first episode, I talked about how Zachariah was born in the slums. He's no he was known as Zachariah Rogue. You know, he dealt with the, the fury of the Vori. But one thing in his his life, his main constant was Scott. Scott was a, a doctor in the slums and he took a little bit of a fatherly figure role for young Zachariah. Well, let's just say it wasn't coincidental. You see, right before Alan had a bit of a meltdown and became the kooky, crazy companion doctor that we know and love, he was a well-respected research uh, scientist in abundance. 
Scott's main driving force for what he did was discovery. But that changed when his son ended up becoming a mutant. Zachariah spent night and day trying to figure out how to cure the mutant disease or the mutant gene to the point that he lost his marriage. He lost his best friend. A best friend that would do everything in his power to finally get him to give up this crazy quest he was on. He went to a secluded dome, lost to time or lost to the lunacy in his mind. And he spent days, months, maybe even years researching what the first settlers or what the forefathers of Mars did in the past or what they could do to deal with the mutations and he made a discovery after days of surviving in the cold tundra of this dome days surviving these weird mutated creatures that come from the fish on earth he figured out that the first settlers were good at gene editing Zachariah isn't a son to Scott Zachariah is a guinea pig for you see Scott figured out what the first settlers did the technomancers are a mutation the technomancers are a man-made mutation from gene editing but it was for a way to adapt and evolve to survive the suns and the radiation of Mars Scott realizes that the Technomancers are made in the image of the Lost Settlers, but because Scott figured out the recipe to create Technomancers, he grabbed two kids from the slums, a young rogue by the name of Zachariah Rogue and a future one-armed prodigy by the name of Andrew. Scott edited the genes of Zachariah and Lucky and he created created them as technomancers see Scott's plan was he saw that with the the gene editing and becoming a technomancer it raises your resistance to every disease or poison on Mars he was going to cure the mutation in his son's body to the point that he lied necessarily lied to the abundance government got a special class clearance a special facility even got his son out of the mutant camps to be a test subject. But when Zachariah and Lucky didn't show any changes and Scott had nothing to show for his research, the army shut him down and they terminated the mutants that were part of the project. One of the mutants being his son, Scott had to put him down. And the the meaning of this revelation kind of It changes the way you look at Scott and his initial relationship with Zachariah and how it was for his own gains, but then eventually became an actual father-son relationship with the loss of his real son. But it's also a tragedy because had Scott not have been lost in this craziness, he would have not lost his wife. He would have not lost his best friend. But most importantly, his son may have possibly been living a free life in the Mutant Valley. Happy. But needless to say, this does shake up your relationship with Scott. And it all it'll all make sense in the end game. For you see, after this conversation, you pick up uh 
another little side quest with your companion Amelia. She's trying to discover the whereabouts of her father. Now, what I didn't tell you guys is the best friend that Scott lost was Amelia's father. And his crazy adventures with Scott and whatnot, Amelia was taken away from her father. And she never figured out what happened to him. He just disappeared one day. Well, after some investigating, we go to our trusty source in Ophir, our former captain, Miss Major, and we ask her to research what happened to Amelia's dad. After about 12 hours or so and hanging around in the slums, we figure out there was a wrecked rover outside of about maybe about 15 hours or 15 miles away from Ophir. That's where her dad was last sighted. So immediately, without even thinking about it, Amelia has you guys go to the crash site. It's a wide open canyon. You see parts of a destroyed rover. Amelia is looking on one end and you and the rest of your crew are looking in a different end. Well, at some point, you find a data pad in the wreckage of the rover and it has a message. The message is a final recording from Amelia's dad. It's here where we find out another ugly truth in the skeleton of Scott. You see the story I just told you where Scott's funding randomly disappeared and it was all over and he was discredited. The person that caused that was Amelia's dad. So in retaliation for having to kill his own son, sabotaged Amelia's dad's rover so it would break down outside the city. And there was no way for her dad to contact anybody for help. And the worst part is he couldn't even get out of the rover. He died burning, burnt alive in the Martian heat inside that metal tank that Amelia loves to talk about and drive around in. It's during the message. David takes a moment and you would think a man who got burned by his best friend would be more angry. He's actually remorseful. He he talks about how when he when he would try to talk Scott out of trying to save his son or, or going all about these things, he realized he was being selfish. He realized he wasn't doing it to improve Scott's situation or to help him save his marriage. He was doing it out of selfishness because he missed his best friend. And the one thing that he wants to make sure Scott knows and understands is he forgives him. He forgives him for sabotaging the rover. Hell, her dad even admits he wishes he would have been there or at least fought to get his daughter back the way that Scott fought to cure his son's mutation. It's a very heartbreaking recording. Very, very heartbreaking. And it gets worse. Because after you hear the recording, Amelia comes on over and asks you if you found anything. And it's at this point, Zachariah has a decision to make. 
he can tell Amelia the truth or he can keep the secret forever. And this version of Zachariah, this iteration of Zachariah chose to tell her the truth. And that came with consequences. You pass her the data tablet and she sees the message from her father. She hears it and she is in a hysterical rage racing to the rover. It's there. You see that Scott has exited the rover to see what we're doing. And Amelia proceeds to point a gun at him and yell and curse his name. The lies he told, the people he's abused, the people he's manipulated. Zachariah at this point has another decision based on his relationship with Amelia. Can he convince her to not shoot Scott? In a different world, maybe not. But in this case, she does. She does put the gun down and she doesn't kill Scott. She doesn't forgive him either, but during the course of the remainder of our adventure she does forgive him and there's a little bit of a heartfelt point later on where they do come together to figure out a bit of a puzzle with her dad these stories are a little bit odd in the presence of talking about the mutant valley but we're going to take a break here because they will come full circle in a moment and when we come back from the break we'll talk about how to start a coup See you soon. Hey, welcome back, everybody. Hope you had a lovely little break. Because now we are talking coups. The definition of a coup is an impressive victory or achievement that usually is difficult or unexpected. And in this case, it's going to be unexpected for Victor and the ASC. So before we can kick this off, Zachariah and his group do earn the trust of the Mutant Valley by completing a few tasks. Uh, They fix a water pump by stealing parts from the City of Abundance. They also take the time to know the people and get to know them and figure out they need weapons. So not only did they steal the water pump, they also broke into the barracks and stole weapons that would become pivotal to the success of the mutant valley. But we'll talk about that later. Now that we've won the trust of the mutants, we now need to put together our benefactors or the ones who are going to be backing us in regards to toppling Victor. Zachariah knows he's guarding trust with the mutants. Dandolo, the prince of merchants in the city of Noctis, he still has some following within the Abundance military. The rebels, and surprisingly, even the Vori, can be swayed to uh, help us out in toppling Victor, either through Gardner Trust or a little bit of a serum. Well, the decision is a lot more easier. Number one, the mutants are going to back us for they are the Technomancer's brothers. Dandolo, the prince, is going to back us just because there is an avenue of gains for the city of Noctis if this play goes just right. And then finally, can't have a coup without the military. 
we speak with Captain um, Elisa Majors, and she confirms that she'll that they'll have our backs. And then from there, it's time to jump into some action. Now, once that's all said and done, Zachariah and his team finally goes on the offensive. They need to figure out how to discredit Victor and the ASC to finally overthrow their power. Well, luckily for Zachariah, his team has a few ideas. Amelia figures out that an Auroran general who's pissed decides to flip and let out that the main general for the Auroran army, known as the Dowser, he's been recently shit-canned. So that's something to explore because that could necessarily put the Abundance Army in a better standing with his people and turn the tide of the war. Another suggestion is from Phobos is to free the mutants of Abundance. Of course he has his own reasons for that, but it would show that Victor cannot keep his workforce under control. Lucky, aka Andrew, provides you a scandal it would be a real shame if the assembly found out that Victor, their head general, the guy running the show, is also a pimp. Next up is Nisha. Nisha lets you know that the assembly is filled with a beautiful, large, conservative uh, voting class that believes in the shadow religion on Mars. With a little help from Dandolo, we can find a way to sway the votes with relics and a little bit of acting. First, Zachariah goes to speak with the Technomancers. They inform him that yes, they've heard whispers that the, the Dowser of Aurora um, was pulled from his position, not sure for what, not sure what he did, but he was pulled from his position and he was killed. The Technomancers necessarily don't wanna give up this information because it would reignite the war it would cause both sides to lose more lives, but most importantly, it would cause Technomancers to lose their lives. However, because it's going to be used to take Victor down, they're willing to sacrifice a few more people. And then from there, they inform us that the location where we got the Aurorian uniforms earlier in our journey is also where we can find a train carrying a roaring messenger that has a data pad with that information. So Zachariah bans his team and proceeds over to that shadow path to collect the data pad and provide it to Captain Majors. And that would improve our standing with the military if we're going to execute this coup. When we arrive, we first have to sabotage the train, something easily done with the team. And then from there, we approach the new stranded roaring soldiers. Distrusting and confused, they know right now there's currently a ceasefire, so they want to know why they're being stopped. With a little bit of um, intimidating charisma, Zachariah informs them that he knows what's going on with the Dowser, and he wants that information. Regardless of the fact that this Aurora messenger would never be able to return home, he would be exiled forever. The man hands Zachariah the data pad because he does not want to have it pried from his cold, dead hands. The guy runs off, but I will promise you he will find a new home. From there, the team 
heads over to the city of Noctis, where they have a little conversation with Dandolo. To sway the conservative vote or the shadow church and the assemblymen, we need to show Victor in a bad light with the religion. So he bargains that we should use the relics and find a way to pin it on Victor. And it's at this point, Zachariah gets the idea that we'll pin it on Victor by dressing up Noctis spies in ASC uniforms. And Dandolo is very amused because imitation is the best form of flattery because that's what he did to technically sneak Zachariah out of Noctis and make Abundance believe he was an Aurora. But needless to say, you uh, get the relics from the Shadow Church in Noctis uh, whether peacefully or forcefully, that's up to you. Then from there, you also purchase ASC uniforms. With some help from Dandolo, everything you need to win the conservative vote is secured. And then Zach and his team make their way for, to the city of Abundance. Um, you're going to hear me say Abundance a lot. Ophir is the name of the city, but Abundance is the corporation that runs it. From there... Zachariah and his team enter through the caverns under the city, and they enter the slums. Now, early on in the game, your former grandmaster had you find a merchant, and you had to free this merchant from the Vori because he had a relic that the grandmaster needed to help find Earth. Well, while he was prisoner to the Vori, he was also prisoner with a young lady who was suffering from amnesia. When we eventually break them out, we offer to help find the girl's home. It just so happens she was part of a group in the slums called the Black Dahlias, and they're former working girls that were exploited by the ASC. It just so happens that instead of turning the girl in, Zachariah turned her back into the, the group or the gang, you want to call them, and they remember that favor. They decide to pay us back by telling us the location of a gentleman in the exchange or the rich part of Ophir Abundance where to find the data pad that has all the information of the assemblyman that Victor was blackmailing in his rise to power. Now the team returns back to the slums to regroup. We have the tab for the generals. We have the tablet for the blackmailing. Now we need to set up our fake sting operation. The Noctis spies are waiting outside the bar in the slums, carrying the relics that we brought from Noctis, and the public got to see a whole spectacle of the Technomancer fighting the ASC, fighting their tyranny in the streets, and reclaiming relics lost to them. From there, Zack and his team returned the relics to the assemblymen who followed the shadow, and then they garner their trust and they know that they're ready to dump Victor for hiding or secretly trading these relics behind the city's back. Now, on our way back to the to the slums after returning the, the relics, um, the team is approached with a message talking about a person who wants to meet them in the slums outside the bar. And it's somebody prominent that has a ton of sway within the assembly. We're also informed that Dandolo's spies have also located where Patience is. Now, before meeting our mystery guests in the slums, Zachariah and his team decide to go find Patience to figure out 
what happened what was he able to translate off the device or the relic that they found in a, in the in the dome it just so happens that the ASC is actually holding patients within the lost dome that Zachariah uh, had his joining when he first became a technomancer so the area is very familiar to him upon arrival the area swarmed with ASC soldiers gunners elites brutes you name it they're no match for Zach and his team they plow through them in a flurry of blows electricity and gunshots when they arrive to where patience is being kept he is not in good condition uh, Zachariah has to heal him and then they begin to have a conversation patience informs you that he was tortured but he never gave anything up well he never gave anything up until Victor showed up to personally torture him and then from there he tried and he tried but the things that Victor did to him they were unspeakable he ended up telling Victor everything Victor now knows where is the location for the last beacon the last beacon that's able to contact earth now this poses a problem with Victor now knowing the location easily we know that the area is going to be reinforced with ASC troops but it also means that regardless of the, the things he's done to the city and his people for these last couple of months they'll be swept under the rug because he'll be the man that was known to have contacted earth in the worst cases if he becomes the person to contact earth what nefarious things will he do now time is of the essence so the team rushes back to abundance to finish the setup to have the assembly strip victor of all his power as well as the asc's control in the city Upon arriving, they decide to finally meet this mysterious man. The man in question outside the bar happens to be Simon Judge. He's a assemblyman who is also a puppet for Victor. This whole situation happened to him because once he be once he was in office, his son was kidnapped about four or five years ago. And he was told that if he didn't do certain things or make certain things happen, his son would be killed. Well, after a few years of doing this, he finally figured out that it was the ASC and Victor that were pulling his strings. And he is ready to cut them and topple Victor once and for all and finally see his son. Only piece of information that he has is that the ASC has a secret headquarters in the exchange and that a mutant woman was held there now this works out perfectly because Phobos did say that another way to hurt Victor was to free the mutants of abundance so from the bar we proceed to the mutant encampment in the slums we fight our way in and we find a corralled leader we inform him that we're here to free him uh, we're here to motivate his people and get him to the city, um, the Mutant Valley. He's more than happy to help, but he needs a few things. We need to first uh, motivate and convince his people. We need to provide a bomb. And lastly, we also need to open the back door so that when they escape, they can link up with the Mutant Valley scouts. All fairly easy things. 
Number one, Zachariah is a master lock pick, so he's easily able to open the back door. Secondly, we don't have to go too far looking for a bomb. It just so happens that Amelia, when she was living in the city, the hangar that's located in the slums, she has bombs there. And finally, we also need to uh, put down the guards or the mutant guards that would definitely fight back or keep everybody from leaving. Once they're in disposed of, once we have created the bomb in the hangar and brought it back to the leader, they are good to go and they are free. This is a huge hit to Victor because now without this workforce, they have no labor to fix any of the crucial systems they need to keep everybody safe in the in the city of Ophir as well as to avoid radiation from the Martian sun. Now, prior to leaving the mutant camp, we do happen to find the mutant that the judge was speaking about. She informs us that the ASC's secret headquarters is near the Technomancer temple located in a, a secret hole in the actual hole in the wall. Well, the team heads back. It's located near where you secretly link up with Captain Majors. You fight two ASC guards who are stationed there and then you enter this hole. There is a whole facility built under the assembly. It's state-of-the-art surveillance equipment, offices, hangars. Also, one thing I forgot to mention when we found patients, the coordinates that the last beacon is at happens to be in the colder parts of Mars. So we also need to equip ourselves to be able to even survive walking around there. And it just so happens that in these hangars that the ASC has, um, there's also ice gear for the team to wear. So now we, the team will be insulated. We also realize we need to modify the rover. Now, the ASC is definitely not sharing the plans on how they're keeping the heating in the rovers. But it just so happens that Amelia's dad, and I've never said his name, Mark, happened to have a blueprint for rovers and how to survive the, the icy tundra of Mars. This is very odd, but it makes sense, especially because of how it plays into the things that Scott's done. But needless to say, we grab the gear in the ASC headquarters, and then we proceed over to the uh, the prison where we find the judge's son. We persuade some guards to let him go with a fist here and a kick there, and then we escort him out. The judge is more than happy to start swaying the opinions and letting everybody know about the atrocities that um, Victor has caused, as well as how he's manipulated him all these years. Now, we turn in the data pads, and then we are summoned back to the slums to meet with a liaison from the assembly. Now that we've reignited the war, the Abundance Army is looking good. We've provided the data tab with the questionable backgrounds or the questionable things assemblymen were doing. So we're curing the corruption in the assembly. We've... <laughs> garnered the conservative vote by showing our faith in the shadow we've liberated the mutants causing a workforce crisis 
and this looks terrible on Victor. And finally, 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 for a moment, you hear the halls of the assembly, people shouting angry, angry things at a man in the center. It looks like a scene out of Star Wars on Coruscant where you see all the different senators. But in this case, the man in the center is not Palpatine. It is Victor with his head held low, head in his hands, knowing that his control of the city is finally over. But there's no time to celebrate. We need to hurry up and equip the rover and get to the last beacon because Victor knows that's his last chance to keep power. Well, we decide to finally all regroup in the hangar or Amelia's former hangar in the slums. And we need to figure out where her dad, Mark, left his blueprint. Now, it's it's very it's very sweet in the sense of you, you need to bring Amelia and Scott and they talk about a little bit of their relationship with Mark. Amelia talks about fond memories of riding with her dad in the rover and looking at the, the Martian sun. Scott talks about how Mark had a mischievous side, especially working for the government. And that he might have found ways to hide things right under their noses. From here, you learn that Mark had a locker that has a secret key to the secret compartment within the hangar. And it's sweet because the password for the, the locker is the duration of, of sunlight on Mars, which is a sentimental moment between him and Amelia, as well as... The secret compartment is a joke just because he found the way to kind of stick it to the abundance government without them knowing. Well, we have the schematics and it's going to take Amelia about 24 hours to get the, the rover hooked up. At this point, everybody gets their rats. They get their equipment ready for the final confrontation is upon us. Now, on the way to this lost beacon or this 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 last hope to earth scott starts realizing the roads here look so familiar that he remembers making a turn here or he remembers seeing a, a hill there and you come to realize that when scott was on his his journey to cure his son the facility that he found the information in regards to the gene editing and how the the first settlers were creating Technomancers to survive the the trials and tribulations of Mars. Well, this is the place. This is where Scott spent those days or, or months finding the information. This is where he fought those altered, mutated fish monsters. It was here. And when you arrive to this facility... It's covered in ice, but because of it, it was able to maintain the facility in a lot more better condition than most of the domes on Mars. And there are two sections. There is a research station to the north, and then the main chamber where the beacon is to the east. Now, instead of directly confronting Victor, for some unknown reason, Zachariah and his team proceed north. And as they're walking through, Scott is recollecting his time here and how he would keep away from certain parts because of the the monsters that were there or the, the, the discoveries or the paperwork, the research he read while he was there. 
but he also informed Zach that it was here. This is here where I learned the truth. This is here where I learned the process. This, my boy, is your womb. Interesting choice of words. Well, when we proceed to the facility to the north, it's definitely guarded outside by AOC soldiers that get put down easily. But the main prize is who's inside the, the lab. Scott's former lab, to be exact. And it's Alan. Alan is there, but it's not the confident, cocky asshole that you've grown to know and hate. What you're seeing is a broken man. He's finally learned the truth that Victor's been looking for so long, and he and he realizes he's lost everything. He's sad, he's angry, but most importantly, he's lost. And he tries to take out that frustration on Zachariah, and, and they clash, and it's, it's going to be their last battle. Emotions are high, and tensions are there, and there's electricity sparking, there's hits. But eventually, Alan does fall. And at this point, Zachariah has a choice. He can put down Alan for good, or he can let him go. And before Zachariah can even proceed to that killing blow to the man that destroyed the order, that turned his back on his brothers, that turned his back on his vows, the last person in the room who should say this, but he makes a point. He tells Zachariah not to kill him. Regardless of all the terrible things that Alan's done, everybody does deserve a second chance. Hell, we asked Amelia to give Scott a second chance. And like that, Zachariah sheaths his weapon, heals Alan, and leaves. Who's to say Alan didn't redeem himself at some point? But the truth is, Alan finally grew up. Because the things that he did, he did solely out of competition because he wanted to be better than Zachariah. But he realizes that at the end of the day, his selfish decisions and intentions led him to damnation but who knows maybe there will be a second chance for Alan we just don't get to see it but needless to say Zach and his team know what's the main goal it's time to put Victor down so they head southeast into the main facility and there is fighting going on all around. The ASC is not too preoccupied with you being there, for they are dealing with the mutated creatures that reside in this pristine dome frozen in time. Needless to say, you do interject. You put down the soldiers as well as you put down the mutated fish. And you enter the main chamber and find Victor. Smug, happy, and relieved. He knows the truth about the Technomancers. He's moments away from activating the last beacon. And he's truly felt like regardless of the setbacks, regardless of the sacrifices and nefarious things he's done, he's finally won. He's going to send his guards to put us down. He's going to activate the last beacon and he's going to tell everybody that the Technomancers are mutants. But at this point, he's done monologuing. He sends his soldiers to dispose of us. But it's here you see the rage. In Zack's eyes. Everything that he's gone through. 
All because this man wanted power at any cost. The brutes that he sends are put down easily. And Zack comes at him with a rage like a god of thunder. The battle was fierce. The battle was long. Victor is no slouch. He's superior with a knife and he's good with a gun. His aim is true and he knocks Zack down a couple times, but Zack doesn't quit. While the team is preoccupied fighting the ASC soldiers, the battle gets fierce and hell, it comes down to the last moment. Luckily, Zack is able to get the last hit on Victor and Victor falls to his knees. But regardless of everything that's happened, Zachariah makes the choice to not kill Victor. Victor will suffer the consequences of all his actions, but there's something more pressing to handle. It's finally time to contact Earth. But before we leave, Zachariah does take some mementos. He enjoys the blade and gun that Victor has left him, and this would prove handy in what was to come. For you see inside the, the research facility, the last beacon was found in this chamber and this chamber was suspended above a giant pit. Now, as Zachariah and the team are entering this, this chamber, there's a bridge they need to cross to reach the suspended lab. Zach is the first person through the door to enter and walk across the bridge, but the ice around the facility collapses, separating him from his team. Well. Regardless, given the stakes, Zack proceeds to press on without them. And it's here that his final challenge arises. A massive creature rises from the pits. A leviathan. A giant mutated snake. And it's a, it's a bit poetic that this is Zachariah's last challenge, especially because the, the serpent represents lies and deceit. And that's essentially what the existence on Mars or how the, the predicament that everyone is in is because of lies and secrets. But at this point, Zach has nothing to lose. So he rides into battle fighting this massive mutated snake that can shoot out poison, strike with enough force that it can knock a man down in one hit, retreat and fight its enemies from afar with a tail longer than the bridge itself. The battle is long. The battle is hard. And you can see Zachariah pouring out all his frustration, his hopes, his worries into this battle. Maybe by a miracle, maybe out of pure skill, Zachariah does best this monster and it falls into the abyss to never be seen again. A tired, beaten Zachariah proceeds across this bridge and enters the facility. Mint condition. He sees it. He sees the console that he needs to finally contact Earth heart beating sweat pounding he walks over and he finally activates the console and it's there he's greeted with a hologram projection of our solar system 
he can see Jupiter, he can see Mars, he can see Saturn, he can see the former planet formerly known as Pluto. And then finally, on the beautiful hologram we see it, we see the Earth. But something happens. Something nobody saw coming, not even Zachariah. Initiating solar display. Establishing connection with Earth. Connection failed. Connection failed. Extrapolating data. Updating solar system display. To Zachariah's horror, Earth is gone. There is no Earth. Zach cries in frustration. All the time, all the effort, lost. Lost, looking for a rescue from a cloud of scattered rocks. Because that's all that's left of Earth. It's at this point, they realize that all they have is Mars and each other. Zachariah doesn't know what to do. And at this point, his companions finally make it to the lab. They don't know what to do. They know that once they reveal the information that there's no Earth, there's going to be riots. There's going to be fighting. They'll lose everything. Zachariah doesn't know what to do. So he turns to his companions. Majority actually decide that maybe it's time that we changed how we do things on Mars and that we stopped living in secrets and lies and maybe that we live in truth. Yeah, some cities might fall, but it's time for a change. And Zachariah realizes that across this journey, the thing that's done the most damage is secrets. So it's finally time that people of Mars finally understand that this is what they have. This is their future, and it's time they make the best of it. So Zachariah proceeds to go on and reveal the truth that Earth is gone. But he also reveals another truth. He goes ahead and he reveals that technomancers are mutants. Why? Because when he reveals this truth, he decides that not only... Is Earth not coming? It's time that his brothers and sisters stop being used as weapons and that they're able to live their lives and live in their truth. That it's time that they be freed the same way the mutants are freed now. Finally, for all the terrible things that's happened, time for some good news. Ophir, the city of abundance, is finally a respectable place. No more corruption. With the honor of the military restored and a little help of uh, Captain Majors, the city is in a better place. Also, because of the mutants that were freed in Victor's toppling, the city finally has its own human workforce. So no more relying or abusing mutants. They have to do their own work if they want to survive. Another update is on our favorite merchant prince, Dandolo. You see, 
when we pushed the Vari out of Noctis, not only did we wound them, we actually stopped them spreading from any and all corporations all over Mars with the help of the Prince. And because of this, he was able to secure him a little agreement with the Abundance Corporation where the merchants had honorary citizenship in abundance and they can move freely in and out of the city with no problems. And this has actually caused the business to be booming. And now Noctis is an even richer place. The Mutant Valley. The Mutant Valley becomes the new seat of power on Mars. Because of the countless mutants that were being liberated, as well as a new class of mutants that have joined. So you see, when Zachariah revealed the truth, he also decided to make his home in the Mutant Valley. So now, all his brothers and sisters are living free, and they're thriving in a place where they can be themselves. Now, that doesn't come without consequence for it. So you see, the cities did attempt and attempt hard, multiple tries, soldiers, cannons, bombings, you named it. They tried multiple times to topple the Mutant Valley. However, with the leadership of Scum and the strategic brilliance of Phobos and some weapons provided by a certain Technomancer earlier on, they've been able to repel every attack without problem. And with the constant influx of mutants coming into the valley, they've they're on their way to becoming the most powerful force on the planet. It's also revealed that Zachariah is a phenomenal grandmaster. He goes on to train multiple young technomancers and they become great in their own regard. Also, he got a girlfriend. You see him and Nisha did develop a relationship in their travels. And in this new brave future, Nisha doesn't do too much spying for Noctis, and she occasionally sings. And when she sings, Zachariah has been known to join her and play harmony, or sing harmony, excuse me. And lastly, Scott ends up going back to the slums, and he continues helping poor children. The only difference this time, he does it without an agenda. Everybody lives happily ever after. And now the future's in their hands. And it's safe to say that for the first time since the colonization of Mars, their future looks bright. Hey, thanks for listening, everybody. First game of season two has been completed. See ya. Hey, thank you for listening, everyone. Be sure to subscribe to us on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Amazon Music, Google Podcasts, and Stitcher uh, to stay up to date on all things lore. Also, check us out on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and YouTube to leave feedback and make suggestions on what series to do next. You Me and Lore is an original podcast written and produced by Brandon Weiner and Kenny Gomez. We do not own the rights to any of the artistry. All rights are owned by their respective companies. Sound and editing by Kenny Gomez and Brandon Weiner. Intro composed and played by Achilles Amistad. Transitions and outro composed and played by Sam Gibbs. Both can be found on Fiverr.com. 
For inquiries, information, and feedback, please visit You, Me, and Lore on Facebook or email us directly at youmeandlore at gmail. Bye-bye. Music featured in today's episode, Global Impact by Philip Ayers, Away by AGST, Undaunted Warrior by Bonnie Grace, and Down the Sun Goes by Gustav. All their music and more can be found on epidemicsound.com.